Hey, Believers, it's Dr. Shantae, and the end of the year is here. One of the number one questions that I get every single week is, do I personally coach any of my listeners or am I taking on individual clients? And for the past six months, the answer has been no, because I've been devoting all of my time and energy into building and growing this podcast. However, For a limited time in January, I have set aside four days to specifically work with four separate new clients about how to build their 2016 vision. So if you are going into 2016 and you don't want to go it alone, if the year has passed you by and you're still not sure how to approach it, or you've got ideas stuck in your head that you're not quite sure how to execute, please head to brandingforbelievers.com forward slash vision and find out how we can work together. I would love to work with you guys and help you execute your vision for bigger results in 2016. Again, that's brandingforbelievers.com forward slash vision. Welcome back. It's Dr. Shantae and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers. So this is the conversation, an extension of the conversation that I was having with my colleague and friend, Tosh Patterson. She hopped on the microphone, so we switched roles and I became the interviewee because I thought it was the best way to just capture some of the insights that I've had from 2016 and just some of the lessons that I've learned that I want to share with you. And so if you haven't heard the first part of that, stop back up, back up and go back one episode so that you can get the full context of, of what we're doing here. Um, But we're going to continue the conversation. So what you're about to hear is kind of part two of our conversation. And that is where uh, we're going to pick up for this episode. So, Dr. Shantae, this is a juicy question. So, one day you Haven't called me. Haven't they all me. been juicy, Tosh? Come on. <laughs> it's all been juicy, but now people are going to get, like, the real dirt. Uh-oh. So, one day you called me with such conviction to say that you would not do individual coaching anymore mm. and that you wanted to shift into leveraging your time and shift into having high impact with larger group experiences, what was it that prompted you to turn your business model upside down? And why is long money a better pursuit than short money? And you might have to explain the long money, short money game, because you and I talk a lot about that, but all the time, (laughs) listeners may not have a concept for that. So tell us more about that. Okay. And this is kind of like a heartbreaker for people because they're like, do you take individual clients? And I'm like, nope, I don't. When are you going to start coaching again? Um, I'm probably not. And here's why. The thing is, is that this is, this is getting back to the question that we talked about in the previous episode. Do you want to have local impact, local slash regional impact, or do you want to have global impact, right? Yep. So when I gave up coaching, what I was giving up was this one-to-one exchange of information. I was giving valuable information, valuable strategy to one person. 
And to that one person, that was great. And it did great things for their business, great things for their brand. I'm very proud of the work and the success that my coaching clients have had back when I was coaching. However, when the coaching contract ends, so let's say they coach with me for three months or they coach with me for six months. When that contract ends, then basically I'm back at the beginning of the quote unquote sales funnel to recruit another client, another one client to replace that one stream of revenue. And when I thought about it, I said, I am not going to be able to have the kind of impact. I'm not going to be able to have the kind of reach that I want for my brand coaching one to one. I need to basically take my coaching on the road, so to speak, and package it into media so that it has a broader reach. And here's the thing about that. Here's the gamble, right? So here's where the faith comes in. Basically, what I said was I am giving up clients who are paying me upwards of $500 a month or a session or whatever to create and invest in a podcast that I'm not getting paid for, that I don't have sponsors for, that I don't even have a single listener for. So I gave up a sure thing for this, (laughs) for a maybe, for a gamble. And that's one of the things that makes it hard to walk away from money and jobs and things like that because there's no guarantees, right? And I'm still not getting paid for podcasting. If In case anyone was under any delusions, I'm still not getting paid for podcasting. This is still something that I do because I'm committed to my listeners and I'm committed to my brand. But basically, when I transitioned out of coaching, I had five clients currently in the rotation. I gave up five clients to gain 30 countries. So let that sink in for a second. While I was having success, financial success, and my clients were having business success one-to-one, I I gave that up to gain a global listening audience. And the power of that is that you could not have told me because I started this in April. So it's been, what, six, seven months? Mm -hmm. You could not have told me that in less than a year's time, this podcast, this faith-based, which is not a popular genre podcast, would have so many listeners, so many downloads in so many countries. But that's what Believing Bigger is all about. So the conviction to give up the coaching was due in part to where I wanted to take my brand, meaning beyond my four walls, beyond my little corner of the world. The second part of that, so the long money, short money conversation in terms of the business model is when you're, when the coaching contracts expire, if they don't renew the contract, then again, you are back out looking for one client. And when that money comes in, that money is gone. That money is spent as opposed to the model that I have now with groups. I'm able to take on more women have more impact 
because I kind of indoctrinate them into this this notion that they have to show up and answer the call and go out into the world and produce and and serve other people. So I'm able to indoctrinate them with that, send them out on fire and fully equipped to change the world and with a narrative, a new narrative about what women can be in the world. That has paid tremendous dividends, not just in terms of brand reach, but also in terms of financially, because instead of now searching for one client, now I take on groups of clients and it has freed me up. Um, So some people can be money rich, but time poor, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. you got a lot of money, but your time is like saturated. You never see your kids. You can never watch your shows. You can't ever binge out on Netflix and snacks You because it's like work, 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 work. Um, so instead of the time commitment that it takes for coaching, which is a significant commitment because you have to be on for that person at a designated time for a certain amount of months, Now I take all of that and I package it into a weekend, which is the DYOB experience. And I'm able to pour into more people and make, oh my gosh, I think 10, maybe 20 times you, we've crunched the numbers, but 10, 20 times what I was making coaching, but all in one weekend. And that's not to dismiss the fact that there isn't a whole lot of front loading and preparation work that goes into DYOB. You and I, oh my gosh. (laughs) Lots of time. Lots of time. The reason why, so let me tell you, this is a true confession moment. I am a visionary. I am not a details person. Details, Tosh will tell you, other people that have worked with me and volunteer with me will tell you that details are my kryptonite. It's like, oh. It just saps all of my energy. Tosh, on the other hand, is a spreadsheet queen. She's all Google Docs and color coding. And so that's why I've outsourced this to her. And the beauty of it is, is that now with the DYOB model, with the group coaching model or the group intensive model, I'm actually able to hire Tosh and and pay her, you know, according to her, her contract requirements because of flipping that business model from a one-to-one situation of, of short, a one-to-one dynamic of short money to a multi-client dynamic of long money. So in other words, instead of chasing one client for the next hustle, for the next dollar, now I have a situation that pays for itself over the course of eight, nine months where income is coming in and I'm able to deliver the product, quote unquote, in a span of three to four days. So to put it in in layman's terms, how many let's say uh, I'm throwing a number out there. Let's say that a single DYOB event yields mm, fifty thousand dollars. I had to ask myself, how many people would I have had to coach at the level that I was coaching to get fifty thousand dollars? I can't even tell you what that number is right now. So it probably would have been somewhere in the 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 high tens, yeah, double digits, right? Mm-hmm. As a, and how many days would I have had to work with those clients, and how many hours would I have had to work with those clients, 
and how many months would I have had to put in? Because I don't believe in coaching for like one day. I believe in, you know, to make some traction and to hold people accountable that you have to put in a certain amount of months. Would I have had to do that as opposed to flipping the model and getting the same financial dividends and greater impact and brand reach in a three, four day weekend? So you've, you've explained this beautifully and just, can you briefly say long money, short money, what does it mean? So long money is when you are planning your business or your revenue in such a way that you have sustainable revenue. Sustainable revenue means this is a model that you can replicate that will pay you years from now. That's kind of like long money. So when I say content is the long money game. So for example, you can create a digital product, a class on, oh, I don't know, weaving baskets. And you can put that online and that one online class can pay you for a long time. As soon as somebody sees it, they find value in it. They sign up for it. They pay you. It's long money. And it's money that works for you and money that you don't have to actively work for. So for example, I think about, you know what, let me explain it this way. This is a beautiful, beautiful example. Let's go back to our makeup artist. A makeup artist who is not branding him or herself is playing the short money game. Because if that is that makeup artist's only job, that means that that makeup artist is not getting paid unless he or she is physically standing in front of somebody making up somebody's face. And once they make up that person's face, they get paid for that one job. And now they're back out looking for another short term game, another client, another face to, to do or or another client to to make up or another event so that they can continue to get these short increments of cash of money. Now take that same makeup artist and say that makeup artist had created a class, a tutorial, a video series on how to do contouring and highlighting and, and how to do colors and color theory and all of that and created this class, put it online for $300. That means long money. If the person, if the makeup artist is charging $100 per face, basically that makeup artist would have to make up three clients to get the same money that selling one class would get them. And because the class has already been built, it's up in digital space and it can be available as long as the makeup artist wants to have it available. It also means that as long as the course is relevant, has value, and that that makeup artist audience accepts him or her as an authority, then they will continue to get sustainable revenue from that model as opposed to going out looking for another client. Got it. That's great. And I think it's something that everyone needs to think about. Is your business model still working for you or do you need to reevaluate it based on where you are at this point in time in your life? So thank you for sharing that. Sure. So earlier this year, 
you called me again and said, oh my gosh, we have to read this book. And I was like, what are you talking about? This book called The One Thing. Uh, I don't don't know if I'm going to read that. That's not on my list right now. I know it's not like one of your chakra books. Like Tasha's a big time (laughs) yogi person. So she's always about energy and chakras and namaste and the whole bit. Yes. And so I finally took your advice and said, let me read this book. So we both read it together. And the question I want to ask is, how has your business changed as a result of focusing on the one thing, your business or your life? Oh my gosh. So for those of you unfamiliar, this is a book by Gary Keller, The One Thing. And it raises this question, what is the one thing that you can do such by doing it that everything else becomes easier? And it might seem simple, but you really have to commit to it because I realized that I was on hashtag team too much. And when you are being the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, you will burn out quickly. And I realized that for the things that I wanted to do, I was going to have to create some space. I'm like, I'm going to have to create some bandwidth in order to do this. And so I had to give up some things, coaching being one of those things, because the one thing that I wanted to focus on was the podcast. The one thing that I wanted to get off the ground and give my full energy and attention, I didn't want to wing it. I wanted to work for it, develop systems, work out all the kinks, was the podcast. And so when I pretty much divorced myself from everything else that I had going on and just focused solely on the podcast, the results have been phenomenal. Like, as I said, here we are seven months and 30 countries later, the podcast, because I focused on that one thing, which meant that I was saying no to lots of other things. And sometimes we have anxiety about that because we feel like if we're saying no to things, then we're missing out somehow. And yes, you are. You have to accept that. You have to make peace with the fact that you're not going to be able to do everything. And that's okay. It's really this bigger picture thinking. And so the one thing by developing this audience, so for example, by giving up five clients and gaining a worldwide listening audience means that when I talk about free resources that I'm offering, ebooks or what have you, I have a much larger audience of people to pull from that can go and get those resources as opposed to, again, the one-to-one model that I previously had. So the one thing is a game changer in terms of simplifying your life and doing some really just simple things to strengthen your focus. So for example, one thing that I've done that has completely changed my life is I went into my phone and I cut off all of my social media notifications. So once upon a time, if I got a like (laughs) or if somebody commented on a post or anything like that, I used to get this pop-up notification on my phone and it was like a moth to a flame. As soon as I saw it pop up, I felt like I had to respond to it. Well, now I don't get any of those. 
And so I check my social media every mm, maybe four or five hours. Whereas once upon a time, it seemed like my phone was always in my hand. Now, because of the one thing, I'm like, I don't I don't have time to be on the phone all day. By turning off my notifications so that I can focus on the task at hand, it's been a real game changer. And it talks about this method called batching. Batching is when you set aside a block of time and create either a batch of content or make some real progress on a project that you're working on. And so once upon a time, it seemed like impossible for me to block myself off for four hours uninterrupted, but now it's cake. And when I pick up my phone after those four hours, I've missed all kinds of calls. I've missed all kinds of text messages. I've missed all kinds of social media notifications and the world didn't blow up. I'm okay with that. And so it's really just becoming more okay with the less frenetic pace of life and becoming really, really proud of the productive things that you're doing instead of tweeting, chasing, texting after every little notification that pops up on your phone. So in addition to the one thing book, since we're speaking of books, what are the three best books you read this year that you would recommend? Ooh, you're going to make me pull out my my audible history um, because that's that's another thing that has saved my life this year. Tosh does not have a TV in her bedroom. Am I telling too much? Tosh no, you can tell it. You can tell it. <laughs> Tosh does not have a TV in her bedroom because Tosh does not mess around. When she is in her room, she um, is all about like reading and focusing and, and winding down. So me, on the other hand, I'm like the opposite. I'm dialed in watching shows and, and that sort of thing. So for me to, to get my books in, I have to do them in the car. So audiobooks have, have been a real lifesaver for me uh, this year. So I would say that um, besides the one thing, Contagious by Jonah Berger is an excellent book. And Contagious is all about how things become viral, how things get triggered, why some things work and some things don't. And Jonah, he lays out this really excellent formula of how things become viral. So for example, uh, recently, Patti LaBelle has been in the news because of her sweet potato pies because someone on Facebook gave a review and the review went viral. And because of the viral review, her sweet potato pies went flying off the shelves at Walmart. And when I filtered that experience through Jonah's formula, I was like, it's spot on point for point. It is an excellent way to think about how your content can reach more people and go viral. Another one that really had an impact on me this year was start with why by Simon Sinek. That's another one that I had you read and it was an excellent, excellent read. And if I had to pick a third one, I would say Failing Forward by John Maxwell was an excellent read. So much so that I adopted it as a textbook for one of my classes. And, you know, reading is fundamental, as they say. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But it is critical as a business owner 
to make sure that you're in the literature and making time to perfect your craft and be intentional about how you approach your work. And I'm sure that that's a theme that in your interviews has also emerged. The next question is really based on this this phrase that you always say. And the phrase is, you can't cut and paste Mm -hmm. somebody else's success story. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I noticed that as your phrase or if you say it a lot in many other places, but can you tell us more about why you constantly make this statement? Because this is, oh, another good book is Seth Godin's Purple Cow. And actually, Seth Godin's Purple Cow is what led me to do pod classes because the Purple Cow concept, I'm, I'm really simplifying it, but it basically kind of works like this. A Purple Cow is something that is a standout. It's something that is like, <gasps> and for example, a Purple Cow would be Adele. Are you familiar with Adele? Like rolling in the deep Adele? Yes. Hello from the other side, Adele. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to give an unpaid shout out to Adele. Her album 25 is off the chain. Okay. So it worth every penny I spent on it. Thank you, iTunes. But in this world of 99 cent downloads and piracy and all the rest of it and streaming, getting a quote unquote platinum album is almost unheard of. There's only like two or three people that have done it this year. Uh, Taylor Swift being one of them. I think she cracked the million mark. And I think Drake's, if you're reading this, it's probably too late or something like that. Sorry, Drake for butchering your album title, but it's rare to do that. Adele and it took them a year to do that by the way so like that's where their album sales are now Adele's album goes on sale on a Friday by Monday she's hit 2.5 million album sales in four days Adele's voice, her artistry, it's a purple cow. It, it it has astounded everybody in the record industry. They just don't see numbers like that anymore. Like Adele is the, pardon, the, the analogy is like the goose that laid the golden eggs. Like she is the voice of this generation. And usually when something like that happens and what that tells me is people appreciate real music rather than some of the Okay, let me not be elitist. Um, People have an appreciation for her type of music. (laughs) I'll say that. I'll just leave that there. As opposed to some of the other things that have come out on the radio. And so when a purple cow emerges, what people tend to do is they go rushing to try to replicate the purple cow. Well, if Adele had this kind of success, then let's start making these types of albums. And I'm telling you, They will not be able to touch, match, get close to, rub elbows with, be in the same zip code as Adele because Adele is a purple cow. Once someone has come out of the gate and had the kind of success that she's had, you can't run up behind them and try to, you know, get get some of that, that flame and that fire. So for example, when Apple came out with 
the MP3 player, as we know it as the iPod, that was a purple cow. The iPod was a game changer. It was a, it completely, completely flipped the music industry on its ear. And what did you see after that? You saw all of these companies rushing to make MP3 players. Can you tell me the names of them? I think one was like a Zune. Do you remember the Zune? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there was a Zune. Um, God, and I'm, I struggle to even remember the other names, but that's, but that's why, is that you recognize the purple cow. The purple cow was what dominated. And so when you try to go and create another purple cow, it just doesn't work. And so... When I say you can't copy and paste somebody else's success story, sure, you can study their formulas, you can read their playbook, but you cannot copy the intangible things that make them them. You can't replicate the relationships that they have with people in their industry. You can't replicate um, the fact that so, for example, sometimes I look at people that that host telesummits and I look at the guests that they have on telesummits and I am a systems person. And so I start to look at the connections, like how do these people know one another? And sometimes what I find is they used to work for the same company. You can't replicate that. You can't replicate the fact that you used to work with somebody for three to five years and you guys have had water cooler conversations and you've been to each other's kids' birthday parties. You cannot copy and paste somebody else's success story because you can't copy and paste somebody's journey. You can't copy and paste their relationships. You can't copy and paste the sacrifices that they're willing to make that you may not be willing to make. You can't copy and paste someone's calling You know, somebody might might see what I'm doing and think, yeah, I'm going to do that. But they're not me. (laughs) You know, they're not. And not to say that that they couldn't do it, quote unquote, better or differently or have just as much success. They probably absolutely will. However, my story is my story. And I think that when you try to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, you are robbing yourself of the lessons that you need to learn for your own journey. And you find yourself disappointed and broken because you and I both know, oh my gosh, Tosh, brand evolution is real, right? So where you start is not necessarily where you're going to end up. Am I right about that? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Exactly. So you go trying to walk in somebody else's shoes and then they decide I'm done. I don't want, I've, I've given up this business. Okay. Well now what's your next move? Because you patterned yourself after this person and tried to go chasing this person. Um, I know some people that have built entire products off of platforms that change their algorithms and now they don't work the same way anymore. So the product that they built around these out, the existing out, I mean, the previous algorithms are no longer relevant, which means their product is no longer relevant. Well, if you followed in that person's footsteps, that person has to make a pivot. How are you going to make a pivot? So you can't copy and paste somebody else's success story. Just because someone has success doesn't mean that you can't have success, but you're not going to be able to have success in the exact same way as that person did. 
because you have to marry the soul and the strategy together. And it, it is unique to you. I mean, you can you can use somebody else's things to maybe model best practices, but you can't exactly replicate them. Yes. And let me give you a personal example. So I'm Dr. Shante because I have earned a doctoral degree. I've written a dissertation in education. And before I got the dissertation done, it was always a back burner priority for me. So I knew what I had to do because there were strategies, there were formulas, there were students that had gone before me and written this paper. And I knew exactly what to do. I just was not doing it. And then when I interviewed for my current job as a professor, and they told me that unless my dissertation was finished, that I would be at a lower rank and a lower pay scale. And I'm looking at this little eight, 10 month old baby that I have to take care of completely shifted. And I was able to write that dissertation, no sleep till Brooklyn, 9 p.m. at night till three o'clock in the morning without fail, no weekends in six weeks. So here's the difference. Could I now create a class and say, how to write your dissertation in six weeks? Yes, I can tell you what to do. However, what you cannot replicate is the motivation, the why behind a single mother with a mouth to feed that can't afford to take a $10,000 pay cut that has been procrastinating about this paper and looking at her child's future and realizing that the only thing standing between her child having a better life and her mom having to struggle and work two and three and four jobs just to put food on the table is her mom finishing this paper? You can't replicate that. You cannot replicate my why. So one of the biggest reasons why you can't copy and paste somebody else's success story is because you can't copy and paste their motivation behind it. You can't copy and paste their drive. Yes. So what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Oh, where to begin? No. Um, so one thing that most people probably don't know about me is that I have quirky taste in terms of what I consume in terms of, of movies and things like that. So I am a lover of film and the types of movie I I tend to like those movies that none of my friends will ever go and watch with me like ever. <laughs> um, so I'm a fan of of movies that are like epic in nature. So Lord of the Rings, I could literally sit and watch the whole trilogy from start to finish with like minimal bathroom breaks as long as I have like snacks and water and am sufficiently hydrated I could totally watch Lord of the Rings it's one of my favorite film series I also am a fan of comic 
superhero genre. And so I am a fan of Marvel. And every time one of the Marvel movies come out, I am there opening weekend and sitting there through the end of the credits to see what the bonus footage is going to be after uh, the credits roll. Um, I am a huge, ever since childhood, Charlie Brown fanatic. Oh, that's so cute. I was an only child for like 10 years. And so books were my first friends. And the first book series that I fell in love with were the Charlie Brown and Snoopy comics, like black and white comics. Uh, My mother bought those books for me. And I have loved, loved Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the Peanuts gang forever. Um... If I had any sort of tattoos, which I don't, it would probably be one of those characters. <laughs> Too much. I love it. And let's let's bring it home and close our conversation with sharing. Share with us what is your favorite scripture? Ooh, ooh, that's hard. Um. Well, it is your show. So if you want to give more than one, I guess you can. Wow. Now that makes me feel like a heel for not saying that one of my favorite books was the Bible. Um, because, <laughs> because, because That's just implied. Come right. Because I've committed myself to a, a full and thorough read of it this year. I would probably say the one that always jumps out to me first is Psalms 4610, which is be still and know that I am God. Because I am not a patient person. I am learning to trust God's timing. And sometimes you need to grab a cup of sit down somewhere and just let God work. Because while you're trying to work it out and manufacture things to get the outcome that you want, um, God is already working on your behalf. And sometimes you just need to be still and know that he is in control and that he is taking care of things. So for me, uh, Psalms 4610, be still and know that I am God is definitely one of my favorites. Great. Thank you for that. And as we bring our conversation to a close, just personally, I want to say, that I'm so proud of you for really stepping into your vision and really taking a stand and believing bigger for yourself and your business and your life. And I have seen you on this journey for the last couple of years and you are definitely just blossoming so beautifully. And just from my heart to yours, I just want you to know that I appreciate the fact that you have shown up, not only for me as a friend, when I've had my own difficulties with my business and my life for that matter, (laughs) but (laughs) for all of the people that you show up for every week when you are planning and stressing and, and trying to deliver quality content. And I really just feel it pressed on my heart to close us out in, in a prayer And just say, you know, Father God, thank you so much for bringing Dr. Shantae to us. Thank you for pouring into her the belief to step into being who she needs to be in this world. 
thank you for delivering her to us so that we can let go of our fears, let go of our doubts and really embrace who we need to be to make the world a better place. Thank you for having her be obedient. Thank you for having her press beyond the circumstances. Thank you for all the people, the resources that you have placed into her life so that she could pour into your children so that she can make this world brighter, better, and exactly what it needs to be to fulfill your work in your kingdom. And myself and everyone listening is so thankful for you, Dr. Shantae, seriously. And God, thank you for bringing her to us. Amen. Amen. You know, I call Tasha professional tearjerker. She, um, oh, stop. I'm telling you, if you get in a room with Taj, like for 20 minutes, she will pull out some essential oils. And before you know it, you are sitting up there bawling your eyes out with a box of Kleenex, like cleansing your soul. So, no, thank you so much for for that. I am learning how to graciously accept compliments. Grateful for that. And thank you for hopping on the other side of the microphone to do this work. So, believers... This was jam-packed, full of takeaways. So I know I will be hearing from you on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook and in my inbox. And from me and from Tosh, I want to wish you a happy and blessed new year. I want to encourage you to leave any and everything that troubled you, that bothered you, that slowed you down in 2015, just leave it right there and don't take any of it into 2016. We are blessed to have new opportunities every day. And I wish you guys the very best as you start your new year. Mm -hmm.